Hi and welcome to Farah Karamuri Show. This show is all about busy mums juggling life and work. We talk about how they deal with relationships, parenting, self-care, planning and how do they deal with their careers. So join me every Sunday where I bring an insight to a mum who is spinning all the place. back after having my third child I was suffering from severe postnatal depression having had it with my first child I kind of knew the symptoms but chose to ignore it I ignored them because I felt embarrassed I felt like I already failed before I even started I hated my mind and body for making me feel this way again babies are meant to bring joy not sadness All the while, I had a terrible diet, drank alcohol, smoked, and just didn't look after myself. This is my guest this week, guys. Let's hear what Sajor Patel tells us about her transformation from her post-natal recovery and how she helps others to overcome this now. Welcome to the show. Tell everybody. Thank you. Tell everybody who you are and what do you do? Okay. So, hi everyone. I'm Sajor um, and I'm a wellness coach. Um, and I help people just find their purpose, um, their fulfillment in life, and to get them to lead happier, healthier lives that's sustainable. Um, and also get their mindset in a way that's empowering for them. And that they're kind of living life, they're not surviving, they're thriving in life. Wow, so where's that idea come from and why do you do this? So about six years ago, I had, a, um, I've, well, I've been suffering from personal depression from like since my first son was born, um, which was 11 years ago. But it went undiagnosed because at that time, um, there wasn't much, I think it was a massive stigma against postnatal depression and I think everyone just termed it as the baby blues so basically I, I just carried on as normal I went in and out of depression for a long period of time I had counseling at, at that time as well and then I ended up having my second my third and after my third I had a real massive breakdown um, I was also going through grievance at work at the same time um, my relationship was in in a bit of a turmoil situation so basically everything just got the better of me, but it all kind of uh, stemmed from the fact that I had this untreated illness from of many years back. Um, and basically I just got to a point where I just wanted to take my own life. Um, and every day is, I was sorry, thinking Is this at it. the end uh, with the third child or the first? End of the third child. The third child, okay. So could, yeah. could you, are you able to describe to us, you know, when you first had the postnatal, how, how were you feeling? How old was the baby at this stage? And So my son had colic okay. um, really Gosh. badly for the first nine months. Child. Oh my God. Yeah, for the first, rocking, I know. It rocking. Was, honestly, the we, had to actually get, we had to get people to put him to sleep. So we would get people to come to house at like nine o'clock in the evening just to put him to sleep because he would not go to sleep oh in God. our arms. It was a really bizarre situation. 
But yeah, so for the first nine months, he just didn't sleep. And I got three hours, maybe I was lucky, four hours sleep every single night. Um, Because he was just constantly, he would sleep during the day. um, And I was encouraged to sleep during the day. But it's impossible as a new mum, you've got so much to do, you've got so much to juggle you know and and your kind of your whole life gets turned upside down so suddenly from going to being um you know person who sleeps in the evening um to being nocturnal is is a massive shift in your in your kind of physiology your mindset everything so it that whole sleeping thing in the in the daytime it just didn't work for me I was just not able to get myself to sleep I was always anxious Mm. so at that time I didn't know much about mindfulness and breathing and meditation and stuff so I had no kind of tools did you go to the doctor yeah. to ask for what it is that's going on with you? What effect they had with your relationship there? Yeah, so I had like um, my, I spoke to my health visitor. It's funny you should say that because I, when I moved recently, I was going through all my notes and I realized that I had lots of notes from the health visitor and said, you know, Miss Patel's feeling really down, you know, blah, blah. But literally got dismissed as just the baby blues. It was just because I'm tired, you know, make sure you eat properly make sure you drink enough water, don't get too stressed out because you'll stop producing breast milk. So that stressed me out even more because I was like, oh my God, how am I going to feed my child? So I was trying to kind of bury it under the carpet. So really, no, there wasn't anything that actually Mm. happened that significantly shifted. So you'd never went to the doctors to get any antidepressants at this stage, no? No, because I was was conversating at that time, your health visitor was your doctor. Right, you know? and they would they would say to you, oh, go to your doctor. Otherwise, it wasn't really encouraged to go to the doctor as a first point of call. You mm-hmm. talk to your health visitor first because you would have more contact with them and better relationship with them. So, it was never made or brought to light that I should mm-hmm. go to the doctor. It was just something like you, you know, it all, you know, it happens. It's you know, you're the first time mom. Don't worry about it. Blah blah blah. And you're kind of like, yeah, maybe I'm just kind of blowing this out of proportion. So it's not very sure what's going on with you and waiting for it to get better, maybe. Yeah. The next day you feel different. Yeah. And the blame was always shifted on the baby. Like, oh, no, it's not you. It's the baby, you know. So it was me trying to fix my child and trying to to make him less colic or trying to enroll myself in baby massage or, you know, force myself to kind of... um, go to mother's kind of gatherings and stuff mm-hmm. like that and that's what I was throwing myself into so I didn't kind of have an opportunity to think about myself mm. so you were like zombie mom just getting ready to go to this one group <coughs> to the next but just yeah literally just, just did the things. I was on auto yeah I was on yeah. autopilot um mm. and I just yeah I just kind of for the first nine months I was literally on autopilot what happened after nine months yeah. um well, he got better, better. Um, and and then like I I was still feeling down all the time, and I had a lot of anxiety and stuff. But I just kind of put it down to the fact that it was just what it was, and I went into work. I went back to work, mm-hmm. so life just carried on as normal, you know, and just kind of forgot about it for a while. And then I had my second daughter. Um, How many years apart? She was two years. Okay. Um, and she literally slept for the first six months. So she was completely opposite to my son. Mm-hmm. So I had the best kind of six months, first six months with her. And I thought, oh, okay, this is okay. And then my third was born. And, and then you thought, let's go and get another one. If hormones. <laughs> yeah, it was only like 15 months apart. But um, like, and then after the third, you know, she was fine as well. But I just, 
had this sudden kind of anxiety come up and I didn't know like was this after the I birth think. yeah like it was um yeah it was just I think it was just overwhelm of three kids under yeah. four under four wow under four. okay that's yeah. a, that's pretty so tough, I think like. yeah and then I went back into full-time work and then I was um basically I was facing disparate pregnancy discrimination um you know after coming back and stuff and then they were trying to put me in a position so I filed a grievance and that took six months and then I then I was told that I was going to be made redundant and it was in my interest to take the redundancy <clears throat> so I had like this whole year of battle with my mm. work on the first uh, year you went back the first, year. The first year I went back Gosh. yeah and then I had the four the three kids four kids three kids um and yeah I mean I, I think all of that feeling came back up for me mm-hmm. from the first time round kind of thing yeah so wow and then did you go to doctor at this stage <clears throat> yes I did okay yes I so did how- um this time again I was looking through my notes um and it was very paramount that at this stage I was suffering from postnatal depression and it was diagnosed um I also was suffering from a bit of post-traumatic mm-hmm. as well okay um because even though my birth wasn't that bad I was in labor for 36 hours wow and I had to be induced and everything so that was a bit traumatic so um it that along with everything else um because with postnatal depression, you can also get post-traumatic disorder as mm-hmm. well. You can, yeah. So, um, and I got panic, Both. like panic anxiety and stuff like that. So I was kind of just um, floating, really. Um, and then I went to the doctors and after all that was diagnosed. And then I went to IAPT. What um, is that? Which is, so IAPT is like a service. I don't, I don't know what acronym stands for, but it's a, a psychology therapy service that every single kind of um council in the uk they have their own iapt which is the referral service for the nhs to alternative therapies like um cbt so psychotherapy okay so i had a group therapy i had um cbt one-on-one um and i had a kind of psychoanalytical intervention kind of thing which was Mm -hmm. like that they were using kind of anxiety models and depression models on me to try and find out how they could kind of change stuff okay um, and then wow. I had chemical as well which is the chemical was the antidepressants okay so you had all of this and how long was that <clears throat> all going on for this treatment so the the therapy is because it's funded by the NHS uh, they kind of only initially put you on six weeks mm. um, but the group therapy I managed to get myself on for three months which was really helpful um, and the antidepressants I must have been on there for about a year and a half. Or can you remember what they were? The satilaprams or no. No. All I know is like it was the highest dose. Um no. I just I just knew that they were my happy pills and they were just making me feel happy. So like no, I kind of um it's really weird. I don't I don't really think about things like that anymore. Like mm. I've just kind of eliminated that that side of things. So like it's really weird. I know what antibiotics I took like eight years ago when I had mastitis and ear infection at the same time and I couldn't breastfeed. But oh if God, you ask me what, what anti Yeah, it was awful. But like if you ask me what antidepressants I've been on. Why do we do this to ourselves, do you think, as women? 
it's so hard isn't it for women it's, I mean, when I'm, when yeah I'm, I think look at this woman who's gone through so much in short period of time because for far five years you've suffered almost daily either that's mm. physical or mentally and then we haven't even talked about how you manage your day you know how did you get your kids to school how do you even wake them up and feed them and be and teach them or do any play with them how, how do you do all of this when the mindset isn't quite there or right I think um the happy pills helped <laughs> and the and the psychotherapy helped um, definitely I think like when you become a mum you you just kind of take it up a gear, don't you yeah you I don't know what it is it, I think it's a, just a natural thing right in the mm. evolutionary process I think it's just as women we just kind of step up mm. we know that you know as we're you know there's there's three fundamental things I find about women we we thrive on community mm. you know where we love family people. love yeah. support compassion empathy and all that stuff and I think whilst you might not have that for yourself you have that for your children Mm -hmm. So you kind of just operate on that autopilot mode where it doesn't matter what's going on in your brain, in your body. You're just like, I'm here for my children. Mm -hmm. I'm here to, to nurture my children. I'm here to kind of be there for my children. And I think as a, as a mother, you just get into that mode where it doesn't matter what's happening. You, you just get on with things. That's a, such um, a beautiful thing you to also, say. You also kind of have that, which is dangerous side, is that you also belittle your emotions and your feelings like suddenly your emotions mm. and your feelings don't, don't count as much mm. and if you're not showing the right emotions as a mother then you're not a mother mm. so all that kind of negative emotions that you're feeling do get buried and I think that's what happened like I was adamant as a mother I was going to be supportive I was going to be compassionate I was going to be loving to my children I was going to be this I was going to be that and that just overrode everything that I was feeling all that negative stuff and mm. then when the negative stuff came up, I was just like, no, 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 push it down, push it down, because I can't mm. be a mother. I can't, I can't, I can't feel these emotions and be a, mo a good mother mm. if I'm not feeling these emotions. Mm. So I kind of then was playing with fire. Do you know mm. what I mean? Because I, I was downplaying what I was really feeling as a woman and as a human to my role as a mother. I was like, no, I have to be this person in society. I have to be that person who's who's loving and who's this and who's looking after my children. I want my children to grow up and, and see me as no matter what happened to mommy, like she was there for us. Do you know what I mean? So it's Why, do you put that? Why do we put that pressure on us, do you think, as mums? I think because it's, again, evolutionary, it's a fight or flight instinct. You know, where there, you see it in the animal kingdom, you see like tigers, you know, they protect their cubs like in the most ferocious way. I mean, to a point where they would even kill their own you know kind of in their in their pack um so i think that's what it is that's that's what it is like you you just want to protect mm, and so bad. because when you can't protect yourself the first thing you do is you protect your young mm. what i mean and you kind of and i think sometimes also we we feel like we don't have control of our emotions like oh I'm, I'm i'm feeling upset because i've just had a baby and my hormones are all over the place and we blame hormones and we blame this and we blame that we blame our periods you know versus acknowledging do you know what i mean like we blame loads of yeah. stuff or like you know we blame alcohol we blame this but it's like 
we don't take that responsibility for ourselves. We don't acknowledge it for ourselves, yeah. We don't, yeah, yeah we yeah. don't. Um, so what do we do? We throw it into stuff that we can control. Mm. We can control how we love our kids. Mm. We can control what we do for our kids. And when we do loads for our kids, we feel great. Mm. So why, why would we acknowledge ourselves? Why, why would we work with ourselves when we can control something out there? And I think as a woman, we have this thing about control. Mm. You know, if you can't control the environment inside, let's try and put our force into controlling the environment outside mm -hmm. so it's easier yeah, it's easier yeah really, really in-depth that was thank you for that uh, so what about when you when you now look back because you, you've obviously I brought this subject up and you're probably revisiting some of these emotions coming back how would you do anything differently what would you have needed then then five years ten years back eleven years back what would you have needed to not be in that situation <laughs> I think. So, if you were to have a baby now, basically. fantastic question. Yeah. What I, would I you do differently? Actually, yeah. Um, I would say above everything is compassion. I think as women, we just don't have enough compassion for ourselves. We we, we do it for everyone we else. Give ourselves. Yeah, we give ourselves such a hard, hard time. time. Totally like, so hard. So hard. And. The thing with compassion, when you don't have compassion, you have perfectionism. Mm. So that's, that's the onslaught, you know, perfectionism. Doing things out of fear, living out of fear, living out of uh, judgment, living out of this, living out of that. When you start having compassion for yourself, when you start giving yourself that space for grace and for mistakes and for this and for learning and for development and for opportunities, I think we can learn a lot mm. from our situation. Do you know what I mean? And not everyone's going to have the self-awareness. So start off with compassion. Just give yourself that space to, to feel your emotions. Give yourself that space to kind of mess up every single time. Because we messed I mean, up before we became mums. But suddenly because we've become mums, we think we cannot mess up. It's yeah. almost like as soon as you're given that title equals perfection in whatever perfection yeah. that means to that particular mum. But previous yeah. to becoming a mum, we had terrible dates, we, you know, we made mistakes, we made bad choices, we did all kinds of eating, we did whatever, because we were just us. The minute we get that title, suddenly we think now we should be perfect and we start yeah. giving ourselves such a hard time. It's got to do and with actually being yeah. a mom, isn't it? It is, and I think also that we, <laughs> I think when we mess up when we're on our own, it's because we only have, accountability and responsibility for ourselves mm. when we mess up as mums we feel like we're messing up our children yeah so we put loads of pressure on ourselves to have this kind of image that we can't mess up because mm. if we mess up we're messing up their future yeah. we're messing up their health we're messing up their stability you know and I think we need to kind of detach from that because one thing I would say if I was to go back and change is that I'm human Mm. you're right with the title i'm not just a mother mm. you know, i've become a mother that's i my didn't come into the life. world as a mother yeah i didn't come into the world as a mother you know so it's it's really about yeah just stepping back from that title you're so right and also showing yourself that grace and and knowing that when you mess up you're not messing up with them no you're messing up because you're learning for yourself and it's an so opportunity to learn taking that yeah taking that. that pressure off yeah. yeah, and also showing your kids well. completely. Uh, failure is not, but failure is an opportunity. It's just how you see it. 
you know, if you yeah. fail at something, you show your kids, that's what happened. You open up the communication and say, I messed up. And then they, they don't want their parents to be perfect, but we have put this pressure on ourselves. And this has surely got to do with the environment we're in, with the social media and the, the environment that we live in, would you say? Absolutely. I mean, and it's also to do with our experience. Mm, you know? Especially like for my mum. Yeah. yeah, my mum. She to was that this force of nature. Mm. And she's this like, she had three jobs. I never saw her, but she was like a warrior. You know, mm. she never showed any emotion. And so when I became a mum, and I think the first time around when I experienced postnatal depression, I was like, no, I can't cry about this. My mum would never have done that. You know, I just got to get on with it. I just got to get on with it. I just got to get on with it. Mm. And literally that, that kind of self-talk is paralyzing. Definitely. You know, and again, agree if, with if you said to me, what would I do 10 years ago, 10 years back? Another thing I would definitely change is that self-talk. Oh my God, it's destroying. It's soul destroying. Mm. Like honestly, get hold of that ego and strangle it, honestly, mm. because every single time, and that comes back to compassion. You know, every single time we talk to ourselves like that, we are comparing ourselves to those women who are doing apparently perceived realities mm. that they're doing more than us that they've got it together you know but now I think the beautiful thing about where we're the times we are now is more women are willing to step up yeah and they're more willing to say that you know what Speak I'm up. facing these challenges like you know we, we've had so many I mean Michelle Obama is one of them you know like mm. I was listening to her the book. soul sessions with Oprah and I haven't read a book yet but That's I have awesome it on, yeah, on, yeah Audible, I can't yeah. wait but literally the snapshot, she said, you know, I had this, like, as a first woman, she felt like in the early years, she had this pressure, you know, to, to be this person. And then she realized, actually, I, I'm just me. Mm. I'm just going to start being me. And the more she started to be herself, the more she kind of came into her own. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Rather than comparing herself. And she was like, I was facing the same challenges. Like, who was I to be this first lady and pretend everything was okay in the White House? Because me and Obama used to fight all the time. You know, Malia used to do her own thing and we used to like, end up fighting and having the same teenage tantrums. And she goes, you know, I, I just wanted to kind of portray that this is real life. Like it's mm. real life for us as well. And, and her she husband, talks about having to her husband drive being her kids. Affected. Yeah. Yeah. Driving her kids everywhere, like yeah. everywhere. And I was like, oh my God, yes, I hate that. I hate that. I want to take a taxi service. Out. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So when she, I think, she went into the back garden and she's like, right, I'm going to grow some vegetables. And, and they were like, no, 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 you can't do this. You're first lady. And she's like, yes, I am. And I'm doing it. And she creates a project as a result of that. You'll, you'll be yeah, green fingers. Yeah. yeah, that's it. Exactly. Um, I, I, she's exactly, exactly. She was just being herself. And, and as she's saying, in my house, this is a reality because we do. Again, it's title, isn't it? She's got the yeah. first so she has to act in a different way why because before that yeah. she was just a human being yeah a woman exactly. with, with a dream which is what she yeah. followed and, and look at her now you know she's got her own personality she's got her own standpoint mm. you know she's she's become a person in the world that is a relatable. normal and relatable to person both. yeah and I think I encourage this is why I say in, I encourage women to come out and, and, and talk about their challenges because mm. when you do that you are making it so much more acceptable and easier for other women to also come out and you know if you're brave enough step up 
Mm. And this is my exact reason for doing the podcast, I think. And because this is what we want to hear. We want to hear that exactly you had the challenges, you know, where you're acknowledging it, you're telling us the hard times Mm -hmm. you've had and that that's okay. You've had them, but you know why you do what you do now is probably as a result of that, which is what we're coming to next. Do you think that the business you're in now, well-being, your passion to help other, I, I take it's women, men, you help anybody? I'm I've now I'm helping men and women. Men yeah. and women. Um, so yeah. passion comes from what you've suffered. So it's almost like a gift, isn't it? And an experience is a gift. Uh, you, one can see it like that. Yeah, absolutely. I think in that moment of darkness, I realized that I had a bigger purpose in life, you know, and life doesn't happen to you. It happens for you, mm. you know? Um, and I think that I could have just walked away from it and just carried on with life. But I think if life doesn't break you, it teaches you. Mm. You know, it teaches you to be of service, not just to yourself, not just to your family, not just to your friends, but also to to people who are not able to be of service to themselves, to to show them how how to embody themselves, how to really come into their own light and stuff. And I think that, I literally feel like I'm following my purpose. Like I've always, I was nicknamed the counsellor at university. I was just going to say, have you always I, had that or have you developed that later in life? I know I always had it. And I just didn't oh, know. Yeah. Um, yes, and I'm yes. very spiritual. So I have this, this weird connection with people as well. Like I can, I, I do it a lot in my coaching and I freak a lot of my clients out because I, I, I say something and they're like, oh, how did you know that? Or like, oh my God, that's like, how would you know that? You know, kind of thing. And I think it's about, it's really helping people from a a soul level. Mm. And that's what I do in my coaching. I help people. It's not just about your diet. It's not just about movement. It's not just about how you put yourself out there. It's not just about the talk. It's Mm. really get into your purpose. And I think when you find your purpose, you just know that that's what you have to do. Mm. And whether it pays or not, it's the kind of gratification and the fulfillment that I get out of it. So yeah, that's, that's why I decided to do it because I thought, you know what? I've, I was saved. I I have the Mm. ability now to save other people. Other people. Amazing. Yeah. So with your, uh, so when you decided to do your coaching, what, how, what steps did you leave corporate to go into it? Was that quite a big deal for you in terms of affecting on the family, the finances? starting your own business um, so, is quite daunting isn't it yeah it was um so basically as, as i said as i mentioned um previously that i basically was given the opportunity after my grieving after winning my grievance to take redundancy because you know let's face it you don't really want to work in a place where you've had that kind of mm, um kind of do you know what I mean? you've had to overcome that. yeah absolutely yeah and I, and then i was just like actually this is teaching me a lot so the first thing I did was when I left was I was still quite depressed, mm. like severely depressed. I decided to book myself a flight. <laughs> I love it. Go on. To, to the Far Bali? East. Was it Bali by any chance? No, it was to, um, I went to Vietnam first. Okay. So I decided to backpack. Wow. You're probably thinking at the age of 31, you went to backpack. And Not at what, all. What about I your think kids? Whatever, you, whatever you feel is right. I mean, my daughter was one, my other daughter was two, and my son was four at the time. And I decided, you know what, if I don't do this, I'm probably going to be dead. Mm. 
And wow. it was literally a life or death situation for me because I could not be on higher medication. The drugs weren't working. The therapy was working. Yes, you know, you have to use a lot of the tools. It's hard to use the tools when you've got four kids under four. Mm-hmm. I mean, three kids under four, sorry. I would say my ex-husband's probably a kid as well. Um, but like, yeah, so like, I was just like, right. At this I stage, you're married? This. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> so basically I, I packed my bags, I literally packed a, um, a rucksack and I took just my money, my passport and my phone and I got on a plane to Vietnam. Did you tell anyone? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, t- I told my ex-husband and I told my best friend. Um, and what I did he say? Um, <laughs> we weren't going to that too much, but yeah, obviously not. Happy, happy about it supporting yeah. supporting the best that he could but not yeah not delighted no um and I think when I went um I didn't know if I was going to come back I'm being honest now um to say this is probably going to rock a lot of people like oh my god you left your kids and you went um I don't think first, anybody's here to judge to be honest that's yeah at first I thought yeah at first I was like oh my god that's what I'm doing and again those that kind of guilt and everything mm. was coming I'm like, you know what? I'm a human. Any other human in my position, if they had an opportunity to just be with themselves and their thoughts and really get in touch with themselves again, Mm -hmm. probably would do this. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, So I was just like, right, I'm being a human. I'm being a human. Anyway, I did it. I came back and I learned a lot about myself in that that process. How long were you away for? I was away for, God, I don't remember. I think four weeks, five weeks. Okay. Yeah. So you went so, to Vietnam. And I travelled. Yeah. Uh, Cambodia, uh, and literally backpacking and Thailand. With a group of people or by yourself? No, by myself. Gosh, yeah. that is brave in itself, yeah. really, isn't it? <laughs> How was your experience, really, I when did. you were there? How did you? Oh, feel? it was amazing. Yeah. Um, I met up with a friend there, but um, it, yeah, it, it was just, it was great. Did it help? It was great. It really helped. Mm. It really helped. It basically I let go of a lot of emotional kind of stuff that I'd built up over time. I spent time by myself. I I spent time with some monks, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, for a week in Thailand, um, up in the hills, and it was amazing. I learned a lot from there, and I just kind of it helped solidify my spirituality, which I'd lost faith mm. a little bit. You know, because of everything that happens, it knocks your faith, it knocks your belief. Um, it reinforced my connection to myself on a soul level. Um, and it just made me realize that I just need to be more human. I don't need to be Sedral, I don't need to be mom, I don't need to be sister, I don't wife. need to be daughter, I don't need to be wife, I just need to be human. Wow. Because with all that, without all that, I, that's all I need to be. I just need to be human. And what are the qualities of a human? It is, you know, all those things that you get is empathy, is is some um, kind of um, sympathy. It's it's kind of love, you know, and things like that. Things that you really take for granted, or you just do every single day. Mm. And as long as I'm showing up every single day and doing those things. Then now you're connected. I'm, I'm fulfilling. I'm fulfilling. fulfilling. Yeah, 100%. Were you, um, before, you, before you left, were you in a bad place in terms of relationship wise? Were you like maybe shouting at the kids? How did you manage yourself? 
I, yeah, yeah. I, I was very temperamental, very mm. angry all the time. Crying. Crying uncontrollably, like. Yeah, I, up and down. I was happy. I was like, this is not normal <laughs> wow. kind of thing. But what happened actually, which was a little bit of a plot twist, was I got on the plane and I realised I forgot my antidepressants at home. <gasps> oh, did that freak you out? It massively freaked me out. Like, I literally had panic attack the whole, I think I had a 12-hour flight to Vietnam, and I was literally just panicked, like, to a point where I was sick in the plane and everything, because I was just, could not, I was not going to, I didn't know how I was going to cope, I literally thought that I was not coming back, because I was like, without my antidepressants, like, I'm I'm a goner, it's the only thing keeping me alive. Yeah, 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 100%. So... So basically, I just had to really dig deep while I was there. I had to really face up to a lot of withdrawal like, symptoms stuff. Um, it wasn't just withdrawal symptoms, but it, it's the kind of emotions that you're trapping when you're mm. on antidepressants. You trap a lot of emotions because yeah. you don't have the time to process them. I'd finished my therapy like a couple of months before that. Mm. So I was literally just purely on antidepressants. Um, so yeah, it kind of had to face up to a lot of things. So I've had to really dig deep. So I've, I've done some deep level work on myself and I came back like, and I touch wood, I haven't been on them for over six years now, six years. Wow, amazing. So it was in a yeah. way a blessing in a disguise that you left them behind, that you were able to feel real feelings while you were there. Because what antidepressants suppresses mm. the good feelings as well, doesn't it? yeah all kind of feelings yeah amazing yeah. and so when yes, you came back what do you do how were the kids um so the kids were fine I kept in touch with them okay. the whole time um and they were fine everything was okay relationship was still not quite there um but I just started to focus on what I wanted to create for myself so I decided that um my ex-husband saw an advert in the paper and he said oh um and council are looking for uh, health and wellness people to come like not health and wellness but they're looking for they, they're doing a project where they want to increase the the health and wellness aspect of the borough because it's one of the most obese boroughs in london mm-hmm. so they're looking for people who want to kind of sell food or create healthy kind of cuisine to sell so it's like i cook i'm okay cook you know i'm into health and wellness now um I started running when I came back I also started running so I joined well I co-formed a running group mm-hmm. and we went from four people to 180 people oh my god uh, over three months yeah so we literally I made it upon like my responsibility to get as many women out as they I can onto the streets running whether it's one kilometer five kilometers ten kilometers twelve kilometers just to be with themselves you know just to kind of get some fresh air mm. and just kind of be with themselves sorry so um yeah I just I kind of made it my mission and in doing that um I was just like right the next thing is to to start living a healthy lifestyle and stuff maybe sorry I'm it's sorry. all right don't worry it's absolutely fine um, so yeah, so my thing was like to basically start eating healthy. So I was like, wow, this is like, this is a coincidence, you mm. know? So, um, I applied and out of like, I think a thousand people applied. I was like, 
or 500 or something between 500 and 1000 um i'm really so i have to get some water is that okay no yeah go for it no problem sorry absolutely fine just give me one second that's absolutely fine wow so this is Seagel actually talking about her her life really and what happened in the past 11 years so from a happy bubbly person before she started having her kids to really difficult situation where she was thinking of committing suicide at one stage and this is her story and she is going to tell us what she did when she came back from her holidays thank you sorry so i just felt this overwhelming that's absolutely fine water. So did you um, get that position you said in the borough council? Yeah, so out of um, about five to a thousand people, um, I was one of the seven selected. Amazing. So I decided to do some raw food training because I was really into raw food and juicing at that time as well. Yeah. Because um, I was on a mission to change my wellness. Because um, I was like, look, I've been given a second chance. I'm, I'm, off, I'm off antidepressants. I'm back. Like, I need to do something from the inside out now. Mm because I can't keep on going and living life like this. So I went on this whole personal development journey and that was one area of personal development that I was working on. And um, yeah, so I traded for about a year in the center of Croydon and I was just selling like fresh smoothies, juices, um, raw foods, gluten-free, vegan, mm -hmm. etc., and just getting people to explore. Mm -hmm. And that time veganism wasn't a huge deal and everyone's like oh what's this what's this just so about educating people and i absolutely loved it and then i think at that point so basically that contract came to an end and then i was like oh god what am i going to do now and then i realized that because i was running workshops alongside selling okay. food as well and i realized i had a knack for educating people about mm -hmm. how to live a healthy lifestyle rather than just selling them food and say right eat this five times a week and mm. you'll be fine mm -hmm. you know what I mean and because I know that the minute I sold them a juice they would drink the green juice but then they'll go home and do something else mm -hmm. so I was like it's more empowering to empower people mm -hmm. to change so their lifestyle their own, yeah. so they can so make, they their, can make their own decision rather than me selling them healthy mm -hmm. food and then they're contradicting it by doing something mm -hmm. else so in order to really change how people live in terms of their health and their lifestyle I want to create that, help mm -hmm. them create that for themselves. Amazing. And really take control of it. So I decided that, okay, I would get a nutrition diploma. So I did that and then I was like coaching. I came across coaching. I was like, oh, I love this. I love this style of working mm -hmm. where you let people decide for themselves what is in their best interest. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, we're all grown up. We're mm -hmm. all adults. Um, we all have the underlying the same emotion. We all do kind of do the same things habitually. Mm. We do it differently, but we do the same things habitually. We, you know? we all come for eat. We all do excessive drinking. We'll do this. We'll do that. So I was like, actually, it's it's about changing that the mindset. Mm -hmm. It's working from the mindset to be able to change that. Mm. So I'm like, this is amazing. Like if you could help somebody just see that um, like that awesomeness in themselves, mm -hmm. like what could they create in their life like it's they're limitless you know mm. humans are limitless so what possibilities could they create in their life it's just unbound so i'm thinking this would be amazing just to make people feel like they are limitless and that they can create that that vision and that goal that they hold for themselves and really be able to do it for themselves rather than rather wishing it wishing it constantly yeah 
exactly you know and it's like how many times do we go to the gym and we have a personal trainer no offense Sarah, or we have like somebody telling us you know um do this do this do this and then something happens like we have a baby or god forbid we break our leg or something and then suddenly we can't train anymore mm. suddenly we can't do this and then we're stuck and then we gain all those pounds and we start eating horribly um, because there's nobody to tell us anymore what mm. to eat and so we lose that control and then suddenly mm. we're like on the bandwagon off the bandwagon on the mm. bandwagon off the bandwagon and, and the diet and i just thought the diet culture, the culture you know eating eating disorders and you know this is all kind huge, of like, aren't they huge the eating disorders absolutely are. and it's really really detrimental to, to your and I, I think and i think why this eating disorder is there is because first there's knowledge isn't around of what what mm -hmm. needs to be eaten and i think secondly it's like almost patching a wound so you keep putting the patches on by actually right, i'm going to go for this diet now because i can lose weight but we're not understanding why are we in the situation in the first place? Why do we keep putting the weight on? What is happening with us right now that we keep reaching for things? So if there's a, a really stressful email I've just seen, and I don't want to deal with this email because I don't know, I don't know how to deal with this stress. I'm going to go to the fridge, get some grapes. I'll eat there. Then I come back to this. That grapes haven't dealt with that situation, you know, and it's about how do I deal with this versus looking for food every single time because food is soothing food is soothing so you do go to that as your first point of contact because it makes you feel better immediately and it's given me five more minutes now now i'll go to the email and deal with it what do you yeah what's exactly your yeah about? absolutely i mean we had this discussion right earlier we started recording about yeah comfort eating and all that and i think fundamentally what it comes down to in human psychology and the way we think is that we think we always need to fix ourselves hmm. and the wound analogy that you used is is a, a exemplary because it's always about how can we fix how can we fix you know how can we fix our car well actually if we looked after our car we wouldn't need to fix mm. it you know how can we fix our bodies how can we fix our mind how can we we're, we're fixated by fixation i like that <laughs> <laughs> we are yes, we, yeah, yeah. we're absolutely fixated by fixation mm. and i just think it's an obsession to always try and be something that we're not mm. because what that's know? creating is after eating those grapes or let's say if it's not grape it's something i don't know whatever it is whatever that i didn't need to eat i wasn't hungry so why am i having yeah. how do i how do i figure out what is my alternative if i haven't been shown that maybe from as a young child that's all i did every time i got upset i just was given something to to eat because this will make you feel better have a sweet so now yeah. my computer in my head only knows that path right? absolutely and you know a lot of the a lot of the habits that we do now is because of our experiences in life mm. our circumstances and they're stored and they're stored exactly and um i don't know if you've watched that film uh, it's, a, it's a disney film or pixar film it's called inside out and, and it's, yeah and it, it's it's not just a film for kids it's actually quite fascinating how we store memories mm -hmm. and how we store experiences and basically then we start to like you said self-soothe ourselves so it's mm -hmm. almost like we, we need to put a dummy in our mouth to mm -hmm. stop us That's feeling it. that emotion yes. so it's a cover-up and i think the one of the ways i would encourage everybody on here who's listening is is basically when you're when you're feeling that need to reach out for something to self-soothe yourself, ask yourself at that point, what is the reason I'm, 
kind of engaging in this activity what is the reason behind this so if it is like reaching for chocolate when you're feeling down you know ask yourself okay well what am i doing here what am i covering up here what are, what was coming to the surface for me you know and i've been doing it for the last three weeks you know i've been using chocolate as as a cover-up for stuff for fear that i've been feeling because i've read something in the newspaper or i've been told something or you know i mean you know, the last week, two of my family members passed away from COVID-19 and it was, it was, it triggered a lot of fear for me. Mm. And, um, I found myself the other day, like opening a bottle of red wine and I didn't drink all of it. I drank maybe a quarter. <laughs> yeah. And then after drinking a, a quarter of the, the glass or, you know, the measure, I, I put the glass down. I was like, okay, what is coming up for me here? Because this is something that that's kind of thing. And it's having mm. that self-awareness. So just, mm kind of just div- just work on it you know it's, it's like a, it's like a muscle you just have to keep on work on it like you question yourself feel that don't be afraid yeah yeah, yeah it's scary people don't want to go in yourself. there 100% yeah. I think that's a that's a, a million pound line right there it's, it's once you face that worry you will you'll just get used to thinking about why why am I having this what's happening to me right now what's the feeling I'm feeling It's give yourself that five minutes before you actually go and reach for that eat it eat the chocolate no problem it's not about the food it's about you understanding why you're doing what you're doing yeah and we do it to children all the time right we ask that why are you doing that yeah why are you doing that but yeah but why are you doing that but why do you want that but why do you want the chocolate but why do you want this why do you do that why do you want to go outside and it's like we are constantly questioning our kids Okay, and if you don't have any kids, you're, you're questioning other people. Yeah. But now take that inside. Start questioning yourself. It's okay mm-hmm. to question yourself. You are not damaging your, your psych. Mm-hmm. You're not damaging your mindset. In fact, you are actually asking the fundamental questions you need in order to have yeah. that optimal level of health, that understanding of yourself on a soul level. Mm-hmm. 100%. So ask yourself those questions that you ask your children, that you ask other people. You know, like when you go out shopping and you're asking your partner, but why do you need to buy that? Why do you need to buy that? Or why do you need to buy beers? Or why do you need to buy this? You know, I used to do it to my husband. Why do you need to buy beers? What's that for? You know, what are you preparing for? But it's curing that level of anxiety, isn't it? In a certain way, they're preparing themselves for a weekend with their wife and their kids and they're like, yeah. Oh, I can't handle this. Handle I'm going to buy beers. Do you know what I mean? And it, and it is, and we do it as women yeah. as well. Like yeah. I'm going to be stuck in the house with my kids and my family yeah. and I'm going to need wine. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So it's like, what are we actually not facing? What are we to? running away from? Yeah. hundred percent. What are we running away from? So that Completely. I would say start off with that. Start and tell us that. quickly, what's your biggest fear? Um, <laughs> My biggest fear right now with everything going on is us coming out on the other side and not having made an impact, a positive impact or a difference to ourselves, mm-hmm. our families and our communities. Mm-hmm. Um, on a personal level, um, probably the same, but on a micro level. So me coming out of this and not having made an impact to myself, mm-hmm. my children or my family. Um, and that's my only fear at the moment i don't i don't fear anything else i i very much live in divine intervention kind of thing um i do i am spiritual i do believe in the universe and things like that and i believe in just surrendering uh you know just Mm. letting things flow 
Um, no matter how scary and unpredictable it seems, you know that when you get on the roller coaster, you know you're going to make it to the other side. Mm. You're going to have a few ups, you're going to have a few downs, you're going to go backwards, your stomach's going to turn, you're going to have the dizzy moments, but you know when the roller coaster's finished, you're back where you started. Do you know what I mean? But I the experience that. of the roller coaster has taught you that there's unpredictability, so but even after unpredictability, there's there's kind of um, kind of smooth calmness calmness isn't it 100% so I yeah. always see that right now when I picture that unpredictable being in my head I was like okay I'm on a roller coaster and I know that roller coaster is going to get back to the start but I would have learned something in 100%. being in that roller coaster so I just think yeah that that's the only thing really at the moment I know we only have two more minutes with you tell us quickly how can people find you so your details <laughs> um, well, I live on planet Earth. <laughs> um, <laughs> in, how, if they want to get in touch with you, how where should they? Yeah, go? no, I know. I'm, I'm <laughs> um, so basically, I'm on Instagram as the Well New Collective, which is W E L L N U. So it stands for Wellness and Nutrition Collective. Um, and I've got an email address, which is the Well New Collective at Outlook.com. And if you can get hold of me on any of those two, and I've also got a Facebook page called Well New Collective. So any one of those methods you can get hold of, or you can ask Farah and yes, she'll put absolutely. you in touch. I will do. So yeah, that's it. Thank but, you. Yes, I welcome anyone who wants to get in touch. Happy yeah, to absolutely. Uh, so anybody who wants to have a chat with Sejal, please contact one of the, on the podcast. We'll have those details written out anyway. So you'll be able to go straight into the Facebook, Instagram links. Thank you so much for being with us. Amazing. No, thank you. Your journey and your story and why you do what you do. Amazing. Thank you so much. It's been absolutely fun. You are welcome. You. So thank we will you. hopefully get you back on the podcast one day when you have done other things so you can come back and talk to, to us more. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but for now, we'll say goodbye. Take care. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Farah. Thanks. Enjoyed this podcast? Don't forget to follow me on other social media platforms Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn under the name of Farah Karamburi. Thank you.